Today's scripture is Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. That's on me. Good morning. All right. I was about to curse at Matt, but thank you, Matt. That was me. I will. Um, we've said this before. Let me just do this. They don't like this when we do it usually, but um, the AV table usually doesn't get recognized unless they do something wrong or I do or one of us does. So let's uh, thank those that serve with the slides and uh, yes. Yes, thank you. Well, church, good morning. Uh, my name is Dave. I'm one of the p pastors here. And uh, I want to let you know that as I, as I preach and kind of walk through our time in the scriptures this morning, I have a stutter, and that will come in and out as I, as I preach. And I always want to make sure that you know what, um, what that is. And we have just a couple more weeks in this series we've been in in Romans chapter 8. We've been walking through for the last few um, few weeks or last couple months, and then we're going to be starting a series in 1 John uh, throughout the, the summer, and then we're getting into revelation. So uh, that's where we'll be for the rest of the year. And um, uh, so go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. If you have one with you, or you have an app or something like that. Um, if not, and you would like one, we have some Bibles that we'd love to get to you. Um, so go ahead and hold your hand up high and keep it up, and one of our um, ushers will get you one, okay? So we want to, again, get you a Bible. Y tenemos en español también, si quiere. So again, we have um, Bibles. This is our gift to you. If you uh, would like one, please take it and keep it and uh, be informed and transformed by it. And before we get into our time, I, I want to just make us aware of something we have going on um, coming up in the life of our church. Um, myself and my wife, Kira, and a couple of us went up to a training last weekend in Phoenix at Redemption Arcadia to uh, kind of grow in and understand and then now be able to lead a ministry that we're very excited to start. So you can go ahead and throw it up there. It's called the See Jesus School. And um, I hope and trust that by your time here so far, even this morning, you uh, if you know one thing that we're all about, it's Jesus. One person we are all about, it's J Jesus. And um, this is a, a nine-month, kind of a school year calendar uh, walk through looking at understanding, being shaped and informed by the person and work and way of Jesus. And so it'll be broken up into trimesters. And um, we're gonna, we don't know yet how many people are going to be a part of it. And I'll even say, um, we would love for you to reach out to us. There's a 
QR code again there. If you know what to do with that, do it. Uh, I still struggle. Um, otherwise, uh, send us an email. Put put down a note on a on a connect card. Um, we would love to hear from you. It's not necessarily a guarantee um, that you'll be able to do it because we don't know exactly what times and all this. But we want to, as we get it in to our church this first year, we want to just see who would be interested to walk through. Again, the it's a pretty high bar. Um, there's a lot to do. And again, it's a nine month um, uh, time and there will be opportunities down the road in the future years. But uh, again, if, if the Lord is really putting on your heart and you want to hear more about it and want to participate, um, please, again, uh, put down the info there and we, we'd love to follow up with you. It's, it's, I'm very excited about how God will keep shaping us um, through uh, as we look at and, and surrender to and follow Jesus. So uh, with that, will you go ahead and pray with me as we get into our time together in Romans chapter 8. Heavenly Father, we, we need um, you. We need the Holy Spirit to fill us, to shape us, to help us to understand um, even when we think we understand, sometimes we don't, and then often we know we don't understand. We either pretend we do, or uh, or, or we just kind of zone out and, and move, move on, um, because our hearts, outside of you stepping in, are, 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 are inward-focused, are, are shaped by all sorts of other things that aren't you. But Lord, you created all things, you created us, you created life, you created this world, and you say what and how and where life is found. So we pray that you will shape us individually and corporately as a church through our time together in your word as you speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Awkward. That was uh, about 15 minutes of silence, and how many were feeling uncomfortable in that? Okay, some of you don't want to admit it, or maybe my, I certainly was, and I knew what was going on. Uh, We don't like to be uncomfortable, and prayer, whether silently, personally, or maybe especially in groups of people, just in general, it's something we often don't understand. It's uncomfortable. It can be awkward. And so usually when some, that's the case, something's uncomfortable, we're awkward. We, we like to feel in control. We like to feel uh, presentable and respectable. And when that's not the case, we just move on. We just don't do something. And uh, in fact, I, I had that, I was in an interaction, I'm embarrassed to share with you, but I will, because we say here as a church, we have nothing to prove and no one to impress, and yet it rolls off the tongue really easily, but doesn't sink so deeply into the heart or flow out of my life, at least, very smoothly. After we had a time together with our RC, that's what we call our small groups, our redemption com- community, li- li- 
Link Peters. We circled up and spent some time together yesterday. It was an incredible time. And on the way home, I you know, had some errands, and I stopped at a place, and I was interacting with someone who, um, who you know, behind the counter. And uh, they basically asked me my name. I got into a conversation with them, and I stuttered on my name. And um, she went on to kind of do what happens fairly often is kind of like kind of laughed and then goes, oh, you forgot your name. And then usually people stop there, but she kind of kept going. And uh, I mean, even if it's not that funny, I mean, I guess if you forget your name, that is kind of funny. But uh, and I just kind of was like, in my heart, especially, I was just like, uh, I have a stutter and just, and I didn't say it even to, and then I just kind of walked off. I was like, all right, I'm going to just go look at something, you know, in the store or whatever. And she proceeded to come after me and talk to me and interact with me. And, and it, we ended up having a long conversation. It was, but even that, I'm just like, I'm out. I don't, this is not comfortable. I don't feel good right now. And uh, I'm just going to kind of move on and I'll let you feel awkward. <laughs> um, now, like, I got to stutter, mic drop. There you go. You deal with that. But that's not good. That's not, that's not very pastoral of me or kind or shepherding. And, um, but that's the reality. And again, with prayer, I think in particular, whether on our own, individually, or with others, it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. We don't know why or how or what or when to do it often. And, uh, and it's so we just usually don't. Or we just do it in kind of a robotic, mechanical way and kind of move on because that feels more, more safe, maybe more, more comfortable. Well, uh, what we're going to see this morning is that, is that God steps in and that he's, he's given us his spirit to help us. That we need help, even in prayer, even in asking God for help, we need help. And so together in our time in these just two verses, we'll see that while we stumble along in this life, God loves to help his children. And even or especially in prayer, he has sent the Spirit to help us clearly and perfectly, actually, communicate with our good Father. So with that in mind, let's look together at these verses, these couple of verses in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Likewise, Again, if something, a word just like that pops in, well, what came before it? Well, what we looked at last week and we've looked at throughout this last few weeks is that, again, life is difficult and we're not meant to just hit cruise control and kind of live through it on our own. But, but God uh, sent his Holy Spirit to empower us through this life and that specifically while we suffer and struggle and stumble along in different areas of life, the Spirit empowers God's people, God's children, to actually be confident and patient and to endure through this life. And then we pick up now with this word, likewise. Likewise, even in your prayer, the Spirit will help you. Well, let's just pause. Okay? I don't want to just assume we're all on the same page. Why? Why do we need help, especially with prayer? 
right? Well, why do we need help? Well, we need help because we're weak and because God delights in helping. You're, you're weak. Again, we don't want to admit that. I'm weak. You can look at your neighbor if you want. Jared loves when I make us look at each other, our neighbors, and say this, and you can tell your neighbor or your spouse or whoever you're near or your sibling, you're weak. And then you can look in the mirror or just say back to yourself, I'm weak. They're right. I want to argue with them, but they're not wrong. We're weak. We just heard this right there, right? We are not in control, but oh, we love to be in control. Well, I'll just say this right now. When Jesus sees people praying as though they're in control and they have it all together, he calls them out. He, he says, you're, you, you're, you're a whitewashed tomb. You look one way on the outside, but that's not real. That's not what's actually going on on the inside. You and I are weak. And that's actually how God created us to be, to be dependent. I, I saw this, and I think I have it up here. There's a quote that I saw this week. Prayer is appointed as a way of keeping us in close, conscious, personal dependence upon God. Okay, hear me. When we recognize our weakness, our need, our dependence, we're most fully human. We're, we're, we're most truly who God designed us to be. Image bears reflecting him, depending him, needing him. When sin, which essentially means uh, rebellion, when sin entered into the world, it was us saying, no thanks God, we don't need you, we don't need to depend on you, I want it my way, I can do it my way, I'll muster up the strength, the wisdom, the power, I'll do it, I'll, I'll figure it out. And I don't know that any of us would argue that that hasn't gotten us very far. Right, We haven't done a good job collectively as humanity on our own. We've turned away from God. But when we recognize our dependence, our weakness, we are most fully human. We're most fully who God created us to be. Embrace your humanity when you recognize your weakness, even, even in prayer. Right, G um, Marcus earlier prayed the Lord's prayer, right? And what does Jesus say when he teaches us how to pray? He says, give us this day our daily bread. And then elsewhere in that, what's known as the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus talks, he, there's all kinds where he says, look, God provides for the, 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 the flowers of the field. He clothes them. He provides for the birds of the air. They don't store up all their seed and all their food, right? That God provides for them. Will he not so much more provide for you? recognize your weakness, your dependence. And also, God loves to help his children. Again, that you might just go, but sink in for a minute. How do you feel when you go before God as weak, as needy, as dependent? I've had a few conversations over the years, even within our church. Um, one person actually comes to mind who really struggled with the fact that we press into the big theological word is total depravity, or words, two words, phrase, is total depravity. Our, our need, our, that, like we talked about some last week in Ephesians, we're told that we are naturally dead outside of God's intervention. God steps in and makes us alive. 
but and he was talking about the way we preach and the way our sermons go and 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 he wouldn't fully come out and say it but i think it's well i just want to i want to be left with the sliver of 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 a, of a, of the idea that i'm powerful and that i just need a little boost i just need a little help that's not the bible we are weak and dependent and that's actually good news because we have a father, a creator, who loves to help. Right? In John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus, and I don't have it up here on the screen if you're like, oh no, where is it? Don't worry. Um, Jesus is telling his followers, it's actually better if I leave. Because they're like, wait, where are you going? Let's do this thing. Stay. It's great when you're here. And Jesus says, it's actually better if I leave because though I'm near you right now, when I ascend to the right hand of God, the father, I will send the Holy spirit who will actually be in you. Like imagine right now, I would imagine that most of us are like, oh, I'd be right. I wouldn't have uh, been mean to that person yesterday right if uh, if Jesus was standing right next to me probably true but also i think even more importantly uh he's he's in me and i think that's why i eventually felt convicted and you know uh, had a further conversation and um right the holy spirit is in us and he's actually the helper the Holy Spirit is called, Jesus says, it is better if you leave so, so the helper will come. The Holy Spirit is called the helper. All the way back into the, into the Old Testament, that, that language, the Hebrew word is azer. It's actually the same word used for life, for, for, for helper, for when, when God tells Adam, you need a helper. It's that same word, azer. You need a helper. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us to live out who we were, who we are created to be. Well, how does the helper help? Look, look on with me there. What does it say in verse 26? Right? Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep words. So in, in previous weeks, we've looked at the reality, especially last week, that all of creation and we ourselves are groaning, right? Groaning is the natural human response of acknowledging it's not the way it should be, right? I talked about last week, my back hurting, my neck hurting, all this stuff. It's still kind of there, but I'm feeling much better. Thank you. Um, it, it, and, and I'm like, oh, I'm sighing, I'm, right? Sometimes when it hits deeply, we actually might groan. We might scream out. Oh, or some of us, we just think we're angry. Oh, I don't have other emotions. I don't cry. Well, that's, it's groaning. It's a weakness too, right? Urgh, whatever it is, it's, 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 it's a recognition. Well, the Spirit actually speaks our same language. He, he, and I'm not going to unpack this fully, but as you look at these verses, the verses that came before and now these verses, that the Spirit basically meets us where we are in our groanings, in our imperfect calling out. And then he carries them perfectly 
to the Father. The Spirit advocates for us. He translates our prayers and carries them perfectly to the Father, to God. So again, if you weren't tracking with me earlier where you're like, prayer's not confusing, <laughs> prayer's not awkward, maybe I've, I've helped us all acknowledge it actually is. Like, what does that mean? Our prayers need to be translated? Is that, is that true? Well, let's continue to read on. Good question. Verse 27. And he searches, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. He intercedes. He advocates for, he translates. Now, let me just back up for a moment because we talked about, again, if you've been here throughout this whole series in Romans, you might have heard that Jesus intercedes on our behalf. All right, that because we are naturally sinful, we are rebellious before God. We have turned away. We have committed treason against him. We have no right in and of ourselves, to go before almighty creator God and have a conversation with him. That's not very popular in our culture today, right? We talked about this idea the last few weeks that we just think, oh, we're all children of God. We just call God different names. We have different ideas. All prayers lead to the same path. I understand I have family members that believe that. I don't mean to be condescending or trite, but it's absolutely untrue, and not honoring. God tells us who he is. And God says, this is how you relate with me. And we have rebelled against him and we have no right to have an audience before him. But Jesus, God himself, God the Son is sent and enters into our life, which we have messed up radically. And Jesus lives it perfectly. For about 33 years. Can you imagine that? I, I can't imagine 33 seconds without a thought, a word, an action, an inaction that does not honor God. But Jesus lived his entire life perfectly as we were created and called to live. And then he gave himself up on the cross to offer himself as the exchange for the, the consequence, the judgment that we deserve with our sin. Jesus offered himself. And then he was raised from the dead. Full, his, his sacrifice fully acceptable to God the Father. And Jesus was raised from the dead. And then Jesus further gives you and me. He took what we deserve, judgment and wrath and rejection, on himself, and then as a worthy, acceptable sacrifice risen from the dead, Jesus gives to you and me acceptance, delight, children, son or daughter. That's who you and I are. So Jesus has interceded on our behalf. And because of that, I want to circle back and Marcus will probably do this next week again. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, we can't forget it. If you are in Christ Jesus, 
if you belong to him, if you've given your heart to him, you've surrendered to him, you have life in him, if you are in Christ, there is now no condemnation. Did I stutter? I didn't on that one. Repeat after me. Did you hear me? How much condemnation is there if you belong to Jesus? None. No condemnation. And yet we still stumble and fumble along. And so even in our prayers, we now need help. And the Spirit has been sent to help every moment, every utterance, every time we relate with God, we talk to God, the Spirit translates, he advocates for. Well, why do we even need that? Here's another quote I read. Let me share this with you. We sense our inadequacy when it comes to knowing how to pray or exactly what we should pray for. Again, I'm asking if anyone felt like, what are you talking about? I know how to pray perfectly. Then I'd, I'd submit to you, have you ever experienced something like this? How many times have we wondered how to pray for a friend suffering a serious illness? When our lack of faith undermines certainty in prayer, the Spirit himself intercedes on our behalf. How, what, when do we pray? Do we pray for strength and peace? Do we pray for healing? Right? Do we pray for, for a new job? Do we pray that we can leave this job? Do we pray for endurance in the middle of difficulty? What do we pray? I don't know how to do. I don't know. God, I don't know your perfect hidden will. I know, I know, a, lo- I know a whole bunch of your will that you've made known here. But specifically as it relates to this illness, to this financial struggle, to this relationship, to this struggle I have. How do I pray? Well, uh, we have a couple great examples. First of all, Jesus, the best example, right? When he's in the garden, he even, I think, shows his surrender, his need for help. He says, Father, if there's any other way for me to to, to take care of your people, to, to be a sacrifice for your people, if there's any other way than the cross, than experiencing your rejection on their behalf. Let this be taken away from me, but not my will, your will. All right, I think Jesus even models for us what it looks like to surrender out of his humanity. Though he's fully God, he's also fully human. I think we see his humanity there. And then similarly, a couple other examples. The apostle Paul, who actually wrote this this book. Paul, um, in a number of different cases, he's like, I don't know what to pray. At one point, he's like, I'm about to die, and I really, really want to. I'm suffering. I'll be with God. My body won't be aching anymore. I won't be persecuted. But I don't know if that's what God wants. Maybe he wants me to stay, to continue suffering on behalf of people who need to hear. I know some in our congregation who've walked through a similar journey. Also, Paul has what's called a thorn in the flesh, which no one knows what that is, by the way. I don't think anyone knows exactly what it is. There are all kinds of opinions. He has a thorn in a flesh. It's likely something 
physical, probably we all have some kind of a thorn in our flesh. It could be, could be a mental health struggle that we've just learned to walk with and walk through, right? It could be an impediment or a disability of some kind, but something that we're like, why do I have this? God, you could take it away. I believe you, you perform miracles. You could heal. You could take this away. Will you? Maybe. I know you're a good God. I don't want to just, I don't want to not ask. God actually says, you have not because you ask not. Knock, seek, ask. I'll give to you, right? And again, that Sermon on the Mount, that's what Jesus says. But then other times we know sometimes God doesn't do exactly the way we think he should. In fact, a great hero of the faith, someone probably, hopefully, other than Jesus, that we've quoted more than anyone else in this church, Timothy Keller, passed away just this weekend. I've never met him, but I'm even close to tears. He, uh, just an incredible, godly, humble man who faithfully, he's like this popular person. If you've never heard of him, that's okay. But within Christianity, he became just this hero of the faith. But I think his most splendid, spectacular example is like the 30 or 40 years of ministry when none of us had ever heard of him. Just faithfully plodding along. And thankfully, I think in this case, God elevated this humble man and woman, Tim and Kathy Keller, who's still alive, his widow. His son posted something um, like the day before he actually died, the day before Tim Keller died, his son posted um, a prayer and he said, my dad has asked us for a long time to be praying for his healing, but he's actually now really asking that he just simply go home in, in peace. But I guarantee you that Timothy Keller, in, as such a faithful man, even in his suffering was like, I don't know if God wants me to, I don't want to go one second before God wants me to stay, but I don't want to stay anymore. I hope he's calling me home. Right? I don't know what it is for you, what you're walking through. But it's actually really good to acknowledge our need for help. It's okay to not know how to pray. In fact, it's good. The Spirit knows us, and only He and the Son perfectly know the Father. So it's okay for us to, He knows us. All right, again, I just want to even acknowledge in our kind of more highbrow, academic, reformed tradition, we don't like to talk about having a relationship with the Holy Spirit, right? What does your relationship with the Spirit look like? Again, do you embrace on a day-to-day level your dependence on him, your need for him? God delights to help us. The Spirit knows us. We can get it wrong. We can mumble and bumble and stutter. And I was talking with a guy who's doing landscaping in our front yard who God's developed a great friendship and we actually pray for each other. And he was like, you know, I think sometimes I might even cuss in my prayers. Like, you think that's okay? Like, I don't know. But um, if it's coming from a genuine surrender, truth be told, I I think probably. (laughs) But uh, either way, like God's grace is sufficient. God knows we're not perfect. He'll eventually con- convict us and sanctify us and work those things out. But either way, along the way, the Spirit, who also knows the heart of the Father, takes and carries and perfects and translates our prayers. 
God always answers. Let me say for a moment before I get really, really practical, okay? We're going to end with really practical. God always answers our prayers. And I know that can be massively frustrating. Okay, but hear me. Sometimes his answer is yes. Yes. Sometimes it's clear. You prayed something and the phone rang 30 seconds later. And it's not God himself, but it almost could be. Because you're like, wow, that just really confirmed. Sometimes his answer is yes. Sometimes it's no. It's a slam door and it's obvious you are not called to try to run through it or kick it down or whatever. It's just nope. (laughs) And sometimes it's not now. Right? Some of you have known my wife's in my story of walking through infertility for years and years and years. I don't understand. I'm so thankful now our, our triplets who we eventually you know, became pregnant with and walked through massive struggle there in the, in the whole pregnancy and, and lots of prayer and uncertainty and, you know, in God's perfect timing. We wouldn't have it any other way, but there were years of why, God? Why not? Are you ever gonna? And, and sometimes God's answer is also not like that. I will. I, I am answering your prayer. I do have your best in mind. And because I know even more than you do, though it hurts right now, I am going to answer your prayer, but not the way you think. And you can fill in the blank of what that looks like. It might be, in our case, foster care, kinship, adoption, right? It might be contentment in a situation that you just were longing to be taken out of. It might be, you know, I don't know. So what do we do? How do we pray? Great question. Let's get really, really practical now. Okay, for those of you who struggle with my preaching, because I'm all out there, I'm ethereal, I'm an external processor, I've got, I'm moving from here, I'm all, this is like four or five times a year you get really, really practical. So here we go. What does it look like to pray independence? I have seven points, because seven's a perfect number, right? We did five, I think, a couple weeks ago. We'll do seven right now. First of all, slow down and ask for help. Psalm 121 says, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. That's verses one and two. I was talking to my friend James saying, um, uh, after we were working out, we're swole partners, swole swole brothers. And um, I know it is low laughable. You should be laughing. But James shared just this great thing. He talked about something that he's just learned recently of asking, inviting God to help us through prayer. Even just pausing there for a moment. Lord, help me pray. I don't know how to pray. I don't want to pray. All of a sudden, you're what? You're praying. (laughs) And he's helping you. Lord, who do you want me to pray for? And then just pause for a moment. Who does he bring mind. God, why did you wake me up at two or three in the morning? What do you want? Is someone, do you want to bring someone to mind right now? You know, just invite him to help. He loves to help. Number two, pray on your own. In Jesus, in Luke chapter nine, we see that, and there are many examples of this, but there's one that actually says that Jesus went back to his disciples after he had been praying alone. His disciples were with him and near him. The same thing happened in the 
garden, like I mentioned earlier, the night he was arrested and when he would be crucified on Good Friday, he had been praying the night before in the garden by himself. His disciples were nearby. He often went away to pray to the Father, and in his patience and his kindness, he didn't get grumpy when uh, the crowds would inevitably track him down and interrupt his times of private prayer. He prayed alone with the Father. It's good to do that at times. What else does it look like? Sometimes what's been referred to as breath prayers. Number three, uh, John chapter 19, verse 28, is when Jesus is hanging on the cross. I, I think this is an example of a breath prayer. There are a few others when Jesus speaks on the cross, but in that specific verse is when Jesus simply says, I thirst. And people mock him for it. He's crying out his whole time. He's praying to the Father for you and me. In his weakness, he's, he's about to die. He can barely breathe. In fact, likely every time he had to speak, if you can picture here, I think I'm going to come out of the camera for a minute for our thousands and thousands of online viewers. <laughs> Sorry, all like eight of you. Um, there's like a piece of wood, likely, or, or just the nail that is going through the feet and, and, and someone who's being crucified would have to lift themselves up to great agony. Here I am again, back in peekaboo. Um, it would, actually, hopefully the cross is in the, in, the, in the frame. Good. Okay, we're good. Good. I just thought of that. If not, we'll move, move it in. You had to lift yourself up. So even just to utter a little a breath prayer. Sometimes, right, we're not being crucified, but it feels like it. Again, I, I may mention my mom uh, last week, and I just want to again, if you don't mind. Um, sometimes, and probably there were some cuss words in there, but it would just be like, oh, Lord, help us, right? Oh, the car won't start. Oh, I need this. Oh, God, help, right? And might start with a cuss word and then turn into a prayer. She would actually say, God bless it all. It's in probably coming for like, God bless it all. Probably maybe hyphen, both cuss word prayer. Again, the spirit translates, he knows to her credit too, though I also remember she would just constantly say, thank you, Lord. Something would happen, something, oh, oh, th thank you, Lord. Oh, I just got this. Oh, you know, tax return came early, whatever. Thank you, Lord. Just breath prayers. It doesn't have to be all flowery and pretty. Pray with others. In James chapter 5, I won't re read this whole thing. It's an incredible section. James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, but just talks about um, when we're sick, praying for each other. When we're sad, praying with and for each other. When we're rejoicing, praying with and for each other. When we've sinned, confessing our sins to each other and then praying for each other. God delights to hear and to answer and to forgive as his people gather and pray together, Jesus says, right, where, where two or more are gathered, I'm there, I'm with you. Praying together is good. It can be awkward, but it's good. Number five, pray as you're going. In, in First Thessalonians chapter five, that's where it just says, pray without ceasing. Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. Rejoice always wherever you are. Pray constantly. True disclosure, in my family, this one thankfully comes pretty 
easily, probably because of my mom's just influence in my life on our way to a sports practice, on our way back from a sports practice. We got cut from a team. We made a team. We're on our way into church, and I'm, you know, someone cut me off, and the kids know how that usually goes. And it's, you know, it's just like, guys, let's just, let's pray together. We talk about this in pre-marriage counseling, sometimes in the middle of a fight. The last thing you want to do is pray with your spouse. Just pray. And it can be a breath prayer. God, help us. We need help. Or again, thank God. Thank you. This is awesome. And it can be weird, but how cool would that be if it becomes more normal for us as a church family? Someone shares something and is just excited about it. And again, your, your friend, like I was talking about James and I, it's just like, and he's done this before, even in a, in a text, right? For, Forrest, we were on a text thread with a couple people and it's okay, even there in a text, Lord, I just want to pray for my friend right now and just pray without ceasing. But also um, planned times of prayer, number six. In Matthew chapter six, um, verses five and six, again in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about going into your closet. And again, that's a more charismatic church kind of thing. We like to embrace kind of both here. But uh, like actually carving out space and time to go quietly, that does not come very naturally to me or as a result of, I think, my leadership to our family. Plan, set aside times to turn everything off and just circle up and pray. Guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> we need to do better. Um, and let's, let's do it. Let's talk about it, right? Carving out a space. Some of you probably do that. I just was with a couple people a couple weeks ago that have an actual prayer closet. They've, like, set up. It's a beautiful thing. Right, having a space to set aside and to go into and to pray, and then lastly, seasons of prayer. Um, Matthew chapter four, Mark chapter one, and Luke chapter four are all the accounts of Jesus when he goes away into the wilderness for forty days. Right, this is what we do as a church in this season of Lent. Right, and then as well in the Advent season, the High Church, Catholic Church, Orthodox Church, some other mainline denominations that walk through the, whole, the church calendar more consistently, which we try to do during that season of Lent is a time of often of, 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 of intentional prayer and sometimes fasting. You give something up. You go before God with intentionality and consistency and discipline. Some, again, more charismatic churches will do that in the, the first 21 days of the month. We'll just take a time of fasting and prayer to kind of kick off the new, new year. Either way, it is good to have these kinds of seasons. And a couple things in closing to just bring it home. Um, first is his grace covers everything, including prayer. In Galatians chapter, chapter um, 3, Paul says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Having begun through the help or the power of the Spirit, are you now trying to perfect your faith through the flesh? We can be so foolish too, even in prayer, to be like, oh, I've got to get it just right. I've got to, I've got to impress God or impress everyone else. No. Again, we are weak. We're dead outside of God's intervention. We need help. He created us that way, and he delights to help us. So even in our prayer, lean on his grace, his undeserved favor, his delight over us and pray constantly through his help. 
And so now, church, as I close, um, we're going to do it a little bit differently. I'm going to invite the worship team to go ahead and come up, and I'm just going to lead into our response time because we're going to put this into practice a bit. So as the worship team makes their way up here, I'll first say that every week we respond in four different ways, including this week. We sing. We make a joyful noise to the Lord. It doesn't need to be a good noise. It just needs to be joyful. God delights in it. The Spirit translates it and perfects it. Okay, we sing together. It's a blessing to sing together, to remind each other of the good news of Jesus, of the truth, that even though our own hearts might not believe it, these things are true and we're shaped by it, so we sing. And then we also give. We give in response that God has given everything to us. Everything we have is undeserved, and he delights to give to his children. So we give a portion of our finances and our time and our effort through uh, responding to him. So we give and we tithe. You can give online, and we have giving boxes in the back of the aisles. And then we also take communion. For those who have put their faith in Jesus, who have put their trust in him, uh, he invites us to come and to partake in what is called the Lord's table, his table, where we remember that we are able to identify with him, to be called children of God because he gave his body and he poured out his blood. And he said, this is for the forgiveness of your sins and to reconcile you with the Father. So again, for those who have put their trust in Jesus, come and take communion uh, when that time is right. But we're first just gonna pray. We're gonna embrace the awkwardness, the quietness. Um, I'm gonna pray and then I'm just gonna eventually go down and the worship team's gonna look, lead us through just a time where they're gonna play some mu music and we're just gonna be left left before God. If you're not a follower of Jesus yet, I would ask you and encourage you to simply talk to him. Ask him to speak to you. I believe he will if he hasn't already. If you don't know how to pray or what to pray for, again, invite him in to that. So let's begin our time of response in prayer. Lord, again, um, Thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for knowing us. Thank you that because of your kindness and your wisdom, we don't have anything to prove or anyone to impress, even though we so often live like we do. Lord, we ask that even in our belief, we also lack belief, so we need help. Lord, we ask you to do more than we can even ask or imagine. We ask that you will help us to become a people of prayer, individuals of prayer, families of prayer, a church of prayer. I don't, I don't think we as elders or pastors have a great strategy for that. Lord, will you help us grow in prayer? In all these things, Holy Spirit, translate, perfect our cries to our Father. Lord, hear our prayers.